Hello, divers. Coming to you from Studio D, this is the Deep Dive Microcast, a brief look into things I find interesting, and I hope you do too. I'm Tom Feeney, raconteur, barbecue sauce taster, and writer for Wang's Chop Movie Magazine. In this edition of the Deep Dive Microcast, we look at a movie that should not exist. It is the epitome of guerrilla filmmaking. No, not like King Kong. There are no actual gorillas involved. I mean like shooting an entire movie in a place that would never allow it under normal circumstances. It's the surrealistic horror film from writer-director Randy Moore, Escape from Tomorrow. Escape from Tomorrow is a feature film that had a theatrical release. It was an entrant at the Sundance Film Festival. It got reviewed by film critics. None of that is particularly unusual. What is unusual is that the entire film was shot inside various Disney theme parks. And it was done without the knowledge and consent of the Walt Disney Company. So let's dive into Escape from Tomorrow. Do you know the way to the Magic Kingdom? Sure I do. Well, can you fly? You can fly to a Magic Kingdom that's right outside your hotel window. To Walt Disney World in Florida. On Easter, the airline of Walt Disney World. The airline that believes dreams really can come true. Wings of Man. This year, Disney is celebrating the 50th anniversary of its Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, Florida. For a half century, Mickey and friends have greeted millions of visitors with the words, Here you leave today and enter the world of yesterday, tomorrow, and fantasy. That's quite a promise, and for many children and their families, Disney World fulfills that promise. Despite the oppressive heat, long lines, and overpriced yet substandard food items, the House of Mouse continues to bring in the masses. And huge profits. Practically being an entire movie set unto itself, it's no wonder that there have been many movies and TV shows that have used the Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, and Animal Kingdom as backdrops. Most of these, of course, were made by and for Disney and its subsidiaries like the ABC Television Network. Most, but not all. Case in point, the 1962 film 40 Pounds of Trouble. It's a fairly fluffy comedy where a newly single casino manager, played by Some Like It Hot's Tony Curtis, finds himself looking after a beautiful young lounge singer and a precocious little girl. This is a gambling casino. The manager, Steve McCluskey, Tony Curtis to you, carries a lot of weight, mostly on his back. Like, for instance, a real heavy load. His boss, Bernie the Butcher. Kiddo, an ordinary dope you are not. You are spectacular. The boss's niece, she's on his back too. It's that horrible Mr. McCluskey of yours. He's a heel. Another load, his ex-wife, alimony chasing for all he's worth. 
But why should I let him keep anything? But most fascinating of all, this cute bundle, 40 pounds of trouble. Most times I don't go to bed until television's all over. Well, here you do. Why? Because I say so, that's why. And it's my apartment and I'm bigger than you are. Yes, it's Tony Curtis, and he's inherited 40 pounds of trouble, which, when you're running a gambling casino, can be worse even than loaded dice. Co-starring Suzanne Plachette, the doll he'd really like to play house with. And introducing the 40 pounds of heart appeal, Claire Wilcox. And when they romp through Disneyland, it's like being there yourself. Oh yes, there are hijinks and shenanigans galore. The highlight of this film, however, is a 20-minute trek through Disneyland in Anaheim, California. Incredibly, it was the first motion picture to use Disneyland as a backdrop. It's an amazing look at the theme park in its early years. What might even be more amazing is that it's not a Disney film. 40 Pounds of Trouble was made by Universal. Now, while that was the earliest example, there have been more recent films that have taken advantage of the happiest place on Earth. There was 2013's Saving Mr. Banks. Now, that had Tom Hanks as Walt Disney showing Mary Poppins creator P.L. Travers around Disneyland circa 1963. A couple of years later, Tomorrowland with George Clooney shot scenes inside the It's a Small World and Carousel of Progress attractions. Now those were, of course, Disney productions. But not all movies that filmed inside the resort were authorized to do so. In 2017, acclaimed film The Florida Project was released. The movie is about a dysfunctional family of people living in a rundown motel just on the edge of Disney World in Orlando. Director Sean Baker made the decision to shoot a critical scene inside the Magic Kingdom without permission. Baker used an iPhone to record the scene, the final shot of the movie, in front of the iconic Cinderella Castle. When asked about the clandestine scene, Baker said, quote, It's not against the law, it's just against the rules. And sometimes you have to break the rules to make a film, end quote. Five years earlier, in 2013, another director did just that, broke the rules. But instead of shooting a scene or two inside Disney World, Randy Moore practically made an entire movie there in secret. As a child, Moore spent a great deal of time at Walt Disney World. His father would take him there often after his parents divorced. It was a place that held a great deal of meaning for him and a lot of memories, both good and bad. Upon returning to the park as an adult, this time with his own family, he had an idea, one that on the surface seemed impossible. To make a horror movie about a man having a psychotic break while visiting Disney World. In the film, average guy Jim White finds out he's been fired just as he and his family are about to vacation at Disney World. He begins to suffer from strange hallucinations. 
and starts to spiral downwards into a nightmarish conspiracy involving the Siemens Corporation, who maintains a secret laboratory inside the spaceship Earth attraction at Epcot. Who knew? Oh, and the famous turkey legs sold at the park are actually emu meat. The question remains, though, is Jim a pawn in a terrifying psychological experiment or just some crazy, unhappy weirdo having a complete meltdown? People come here because they want to feel safe. Bad things happen everywhere, especially here. You can't be happy all the time. Something's wrong with Elliot. There's something going on here. It's this place! You're inside my head! You've got quite an imagination! Just like old W himself. Daddy, let's go home. There's some pretty disturbing imagery here as well. Never has the Magic Kingdom been so foreboding and unwelcoming. That is, unless you've ever been there when it's unbelievably hot and humid, which is most of the time. Escape from Tomorrow was indeed an ambitious concept, and one that would portray a beloved theme park in a decidedly negative light. Randy Moore knew that there was no way the company that Walt and Mickey built would ever give its consent to shoot a film like Escape from Tomorrow inside the Magic Kingdom. So he went ahead and did it anyway. After extensive pre-planning, Moore, his cast and crew, booked hotel rooms and bought passes for the parks. They spent 10 days secretly filming using two normal-looking Canon 5D Mark II point-and-shoot cameras that wouldn't attract undue attention. They shot everything in black and white, not only to give the movie a dreamlike quality, but to hide the limitations of the cameras and to make the most of the natural light that they had to work with. Remember, everything had to be done on the fly and without tipping off the employees or cast members. Doing so could get them banned from the parks and put an end to any hopes of finishing the film. The actors had to arrive at the parks wearing the same clothes day after day for continuity purposes, and everyone was worried that their little operation could get shut down at any time by park personnel. After a few close calls with park security, filming was finally completed in 2010. Director Moore estimates that they spent somewhere near $20,000 on park passes during the shoot. So, Disney did get paid, kind of. Moore said in an interview that they had to ride It's a Small World at least 12 times to get the footage they needed. I'm pretty sure they torture prisoners that way. Moore knew that some digital effects would need to be added, but was worried that trying to hire a Hollywood effects company might tip off Disney as to the nature of the project. Luckily, one of the film's producers and editors had some connections in South Korea. The visual effects were created by a company called 
Fourth Creative Party, who also worked on the effects for the terrific 2006 Korean monster movie, The Host. So, in the end, was it worth all the time, effort, and money? Well, I guess that depends. Escape from Tomorrow is, at best, a very interesting experiment. You have to appreciate the logistics and sheer tenacity necessary to pull it off. But is it a good movie? Well, I mean, it tries to be. It's sort of a surreal David Lynch type of story that takes some pretty bizarre turns. There's a convoluted conspiracy, some creepy stalkery stuff, some hairball vomiting due to cat flu, and a guy with an Epcot ball on his head. I mean, it's all very kind of let's be weird for weirdness sake. There is a message about consumerism in there somewhere, but it's not particularly compelling. What's more interesting is how all of this ever got released to the public in the first place. With all of the work that Moore and his crew put in, there was always the looming threat that Disney would find out and threaten them with a nice juicy lawsuit so that no one would ever see the movie. In fact, when Moore submitted the film to the Sundance Film Festival, officials there declined to give any details about it so Disney wouldn't find out until the film was actually shown to an audience. Once it was, everyone waited for the hammer to come down from Mickey and company. Except it never did. At all. The Walt Disney Company did nothing. Nothing at all to prevent the movie from being released. They completely ignored it, to the point of not even responding to reporters' questions about it which was probably a smart move since it would only draw more attention to the movie itself. The estimated budget of Escape from Tomorrow came to around $650,000. The film premiered in 30 theaters on October 1st, 2013. It only made a little over $170,000, far below its budget. Now, it's been almost 10 years since the film came out, and Randy Moore has yet to make another film. In fact, the Internet Movie Database has no other credits for him listed. Did he retire from making movies? Or did his one and only foray into filmmaking get him blacklisted by the mouse himself? Escape from Tomorrow is out there right now on Apple TV, and you can see it for yourself. Is it a real movie, or just a curious experiment? Either way, it's a testament to something that you might have heard if you visited Epcot Center in the 80s or 90s. Thanks for listening. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss a single one. And we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at thedeepdivepodcast@gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. You can find links to all of those and our merchandise store in the bio 
of our Instagram page. From all of us here at Studio D, which again is just me and my cat, stay safe and take care. All clips used in the Deep Dive microcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. The Deep Dive Lounge theme was arranged and performed by Robert Acorn based on the original composition by Ryan Blaney. The Deep Dive Microcast is a production of Automaton Studios. <laughs> <laughs>